0: Hello and welcome to the Healthy Entrepreneur Club podcast. A healthy entrepreneur is someone who achieves business success whilst prioritizing their physical and mental well-being. In other words, they understand the healthy hustle. They possess the ability to effectively manage their business operations, make strategic decisions and nurture their personal health and brand for sustainable growth and long-term success. Today's guest is Charlotte Spurway, a psychologist using a casual instead of clinical approach to rebuild your sense of safety, trust, and confidence for healthier relationships with yourself and with others. Okay, Charlotte, great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It's Great to see you, especially on a Saturday. That is a, that is a really full commitment. That's amazing. I really want to jump in straight away and talk to you about or ask you about What drew you into psychology? What is the background that really pushed you towards this interest?
1: Okay, so um, the kind of story was, um, I wanted a career change and this all happened following a divorce and um, shall we say, trying to find yourself during the craziness of being an expat. Uh, Because all of us here um, know in Dubai that you work really long hours Um, and you do get very overwhelmed quite quickly with the feeling of loneliness being away from family being away from friends Um, and it can take you at times to interesting dark places I think people think the bright light syndrome of you know Dubai and being an expat is all exciting um, and it's going to bring loads of thrills but when you're here over time we kind of do move into that of dimness that is being an expat everything gets packed up to be Um, and that can bring um some hard emotions um and as i said like loneliness comes into it possibly you're always detaching from other people because um they're leaving all of the time then you're like oh i need to make new friends again or i need to make new friends with my colleagues plus you've got the heavy work um like pressure here i think as an expat that's why we're here right to work so, yeah, following the breakdown of my marriage and all of those, I retrained here a few years back um, and just wanted to completely flip things upside down, which I know you're obviously similar. All the entrepreneurs that are potentially listening are doing that exact same thing, right? They're trying to move into a better, into a better space. So that's where mine stemmed from.
0: That's it's, it's really interesting, right? So a lot, a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they find their passion through something that they've gone through. So that's, it's quite incredible to hear that's how you've sort of started it and so what what is your sort of passion now in terms of psychology it's obviously a really broad uh, spectrum of, of interest and of, of science what are the things that you focus on
1: yeah so the main thing for me is I focus quite heavily on the relationships that we have with ourselves because unless you've actually gone through a bout of therapy um it's It is actually very challenging for us to understand what we truly do. Um, And we kind of are in this autopilot mindset. So I'm sure you've heard of like conscious and subconscious parts of our brain. So the subconscious is around 95% of what we do. So we probably all get up in the morning, get out of bed the same way, go into the bathroom, do exactly the same thing. This is on autopilot. We're not actually engage with what we're doing now that's on a very basic term but when it comes to the relationship with ourselves and our thought patterns and our behaviors um, we're also on autopilot as well so maybe how we respond to a colleague how we respond to um, a service personnel in a restaurant how we might respond to friends or our parents Um, We actually don't think about what we say on on most of our responses. They just kind of happen. Um, And that can be quite damaging if they're not always healthy. And nobody's healthy. That's the honest truth about it. Even psychologists, even therapists, they all struggle at times. So my work basically goes into trying to reprogram that 95% because you can't outwill the conscious mind. For example, New Year's resolution, okay? It's the 1st of January, okay? My 5% of my conscious mind goes, I don't know, I'm gonna drink a glass of water every single morning, right? Or I'm gonna try and go to the gym five times a week, right? I'm probably great for the first week. 10 days, okay, and then, okay, here's the thing, Because your subconscious mind is trying to keep you from this reprogramming, because it's a sneaky crafty one, actually, Um, it actually thinks it's protecting us, because if we keep doing the same thing we've always done, it's familiar, it's predictable. So it always wants to sabotage us, actually, even though we've got this new great idea, like I'm going to do the water, I'm going to go to the gym, okay, By probably the second week, day 14, your subconscious, the 95%, will actually start kind of trying to take over. It will try to sabotage the conscious mind. And then the key thing is here is how many people do you know can get to 21 days of their New Year's resolution and they're still actively on it? Not many. And that's because it it takes 21 days of hard work every single day to rewire a part of our subconscious conditioning so that's actually why it's really difficult to make new habits or, or do new things so it's all well and good someone going oh you know what you should do go to yoga or you know you should um eat more salmon right or, or um McDonald's or whatever it is but if we've always done that it's our built-in hardwired computer right and that's that can't, that takes a lot of work um, and for reprogramming. So when you're, you go back to your question, um, Freddie, about what do I do? Well, it's about trying to recondition the subconscious mind so that we're actually healthier in our relationships. So with ourselves, some of us might have uh, belittling beliefs, okay? Which comes down to why most of us don't actually get up and do something. Okay, so mine, um, a while back was actually trying to record myself, right, for a video for Instagram. And in my mind, it was like, oh, you know, there's so many people out there, but maybe you're not going to be good enough at that. And actually, it's like, no, that's just my subconscious trying to keep me safe from an area of failure. But the power comes for 21 days where every day you're kind of actively going, no, it's okay, The unfamiliar is also safe, okay? Um, And trying to kind of get rid of that crafty, I call it the gremlin, okay, in our minds. um, Because he thinks he's protecting us, but he's not really. Um, So yeah, so then that links into relationships as well. It works into your workplace, um, your friends, your family. Do you always respond to your girlfriend or your wife in the same way? Uh, where you kind of don't mean to, right? So um, we could talk about the dishes, all right? Do you always get annoyed when the dishes aren't done? Okay, what's really going on there? And that is about the relationship with yourself. Do you understand? Well, it's not just about the fact the dishes aren't done. You probably internally don't realize that it's trying to say to you, I feel disrespected when my partner doesn't do that. But your subconscious mind may tell you that, it will just give you this emotion, this feeling um, that we kind of don't really know the real meaning behind it. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I do. It's trying to make our relationships with ourselves and others healthier, more secure and being conscious, not letting our subconscious take over because uh, it could always improve. Just like in the workplace right we want to be smarter we want to be more efficient um we want to how can we cut corners but we still prevail um and we keep hiding targets or how can we push targets further so that's what i do on ourselves basically
0: it's really cool to hear because i, I you know i've studied psychology to a certain level not where you are but I, i've always been super interested in not only why people do stuff but the science behind it because I think it is so interesting. We talk about health a lot and what we do and the benefits it can have on entrepreneurship. But hearing you break it down into you know, the percentage of subconscious versus conscious is really, really interesting. And it's why people say, and we say to entrepreneurs, get comfortable being uncomfortable and get yourself into trouble, exactly like you just said making videos. You know, if you make videos, you're going to build that no trust-like element of sort of social media and content. we are going to like you all and they'll come to you, more. that's how it works. But you've got to get over that first element right it's so interesting to hear and it, what you said there about saying the same thing immediately threw me back to um, my second year of university i did a an erasmus scheme where we, i went to the south of france studied there for for four or five months and only then did i realize that in england or certainly where i am where i'm from in the south of england it's very very common for people to say as a, as a greeting all right and then someone will go back to them all right and you sort of nod your head and that's literally a greeting right most maybe, maybe you'd say how are you And you go yeah good how are you that is, is completely autopilot and I did that in France where there was a multinational program that was you know people from a lot of people from Mexico and obviously from France and I'd greet them like that and they would, they'd come all the way over and be like yeah I'm okay are you okay and like they generally thought I was not well because I would just reply in the same way every time and it's so interesting to hear that that is just my sort of safety zone in my brain not engaging with someone just Doing the, doing the same thing it's so common where where i'm from certainly that's how that's how you work and that's how you that's how you communicate so i think that is really interesting yeah
1: you've picked up on um a really interesting point because i was saying this to um a client of mine actually uh, a couple of weeks ago um he's like, in quite a high um, managerial position within his company and i was talking to him about autopilot this exact same thing came thing came out it was like okay hey how are you and you're passing someone in the corridor and they'll go hey yeah I'm good how are you but you never actually stop to engage with that conversation and actually find out how that person is it's just a throwaway comment to have be polite but you're actually not creating that true connection so when we're talking about trying to create a cohesive workforce If you actually took the time and didn't run on autopilot and go, do you know what? I'm actually going to just spend two minutes and stop you and go, do you know what? Actually, Freddie, hi. Like, how are you? How was your weekend? Only needs to be a two-minute interaction. But that's kind of switching off autopilot. That's engaging. It removes that feeling of loneliness um, and isolation that we can often get when we're in the workplace with our blinkers on and go, oh, I've got so much to do. This is my to-do list. I've got boom, 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 boom. But actually, just taking that time, connect, turn off autopilot is a great way to try and lower that exhaustion or that stress kind of like at multiple points during the day. Because we are wired for communication. We are wired for connection. And we need that multiple times in a day. Actually, it's one of our needs. Um, humans aren't supposed to be a lone wolf, right? We, we are supposed to have um, a community, a village around us. Um, and that is really good, actually, at lowering our stress levels by just having that kind of engaging conversation that might be two minutes.
0: I really so, like yeah, that. Good point. Yeah, I really like that. And the word connection you said there as well, because you know, in the entrepreneurial world, a lot of what you have to do is is connecting, and it's you know, networking in different ways. But I think you can always know at a networking event or when you bump into someone in their business or wherever it is if you actually can get to a slightly deeper level rather than just saying, you know, how are you? This looks good, cool, thanks, move on. If you can get to a slightly lower level, you're more likely to have a trust and, and build a relationship It's gonna go somewhere. And I think a lot of networking events miss that actually. People don't necessarily go in there, they go in there looking for a sale, they don't look in there for a connection. And I think that's where people can often go wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So what i to ask now- Let me just on. jump
1: in. Oh, I was gonna say one thing that's a great point okay for you to reprogram subconscious or get into someone's subconscious mind if it comes to a sale if you can connect it to an emotion okay it has far more power on reprogramming or getting into someone's subconscious mind so whenever it comes to sales okay you don't go for the guy who just goes oh i've got a car here right but you go for something that makes you connect with how it's feeling all right so that's that's going to be things like, um, i think how you're going to be on a summer's day or how your children are going to be safe in this. So if you can connect it to the emotion, then you're going to have more power there.
0: Absolutely. Time, logic, emotion. The key to sales, isn't it? I, want to, I wanted to ask you, um, I, I'm genuinely really interested in this one. I think we've spoken about this before, is what is the greatest misconception about psychology and, and therapy?
1: Oh, the biggest conception is you have to be unwell, you have to be sick, um, and you have to be in a really bad place in order to need it. Um, and I think a large proportion of the population, even though it is changing and it's had a massive change, it's about we don't hang our dirty laundry out, um, we kind of keep things in house, especially um, in the UK anyway. So um, it's about trying to change that. And I think it's about thinking therapy isn't about worst case scenario, okay? You wouldn't go to the GP um, until you're kind of like, you've got internal bleeding or you're bleeding out, right? You would go for a checkup, um, like a, an MOT with your car every year. Um, and it's kind of rechanging that. So therapy is just positively learning how to be a better person. It's got nothing to do with being sick or being unwell. It's actually, I want to be phenomenal and I can't be phenomenal if I don't know about myself. If I don't know about myself, I can't then change those aspects. We'd Again, we'd do an order in the workplace, right? What's working, what's not in business all of the time. And then we'd work on the bits that aren't working. When it comes to us as humans or people, we just live on autopilot we get up we go to the work we go to the gym we see friends we go for dinner um the weekend we might do something nice for ourselves and then oh it's Monday again but out of those seven days in a week how long do we actually audit ourselves right do I look at what what am I doing well what am I not doing so well okay and I don't mean about work I mean about how did I interact with my husband today oh Okay, actually not. And the reason I mentioned things like this is mental exhaustion doesn't just come from work. Mental exhaustion comes from our personal lives as well. And an emotionally triggered conversation with somebody, or even if it's a family member or it's your children, okay, that can create huge amounts of exhaustion. Um, And it doesn't have to just be associated with to-do lists at work. I completely agree. And, you know,
0: so many high performers now, are going to therapy and they're openly saying, "I have a therapist." I see them once or twice a, once a week, or every two weeks, because investing in yourself in a proactive manner is so incredibly important. I completely agree. Um, I, was, I was speaking to a guy yesterday who goes in and works with massive corporates on their management and their ed, their execs, um, and he was saying ninety percent of the time, when they go through and talk about burnout and the things that are creating an overwhelming workplace. Once you get into it, after a few hours of workshopping, you realise, or the employees, the managers realise, it's not actually the office environment that's doing it. It's normally them and how they're managing their time and they are acting outside of the workplace or what they're bringing to work, they're bringing their own stress into work. It's overwhelming them, flustering them. You know, it's, it's harming their productivity and their time management. And then there's not to effects such as they're not doing their exercise, they're not you know, taking a walk, eating healthily. And it's all a massive snowball effect, isn't it? So I guess... My question to you is, how can you acknowledge stress is building before it's too late, or should you be constantly working in a preventative manner?
1: Okay, good question. So there's quite a lot of branches or prongs to answering this, but let's start with um, the idea that our brains are like a computer. Um, you know when your computer, you're asking it to do too many things and you get that circle, that I call it like the blue wheel of doom or your yeah. Wi-Fi is not connecting and it's, it's going around. Okay, our brains are exactly the same. And in psychology, we would call this obviously the executive function. Okay, we can only, like a computer, take on so much before that little wheel of doom goes, ah, okay. So if I'm having problems... At home with my relationships. Maybe I've had a really big argument, right, with my husband or my wife. Then, I don't know, my car breaks down. Then at work, uh, my manager's just brought in this massive project and I'm like feeling quite overwhelmed because I've got all of these um, um, things that I need to do for it. Then maybe something's happening at home as an expat. I don't know, maybe. Um, your dad becomes sick or you know, um, a, a grandparent has gone into hospital, okay, whatever it might be. So when you think of all of these different areas of life and they're coming at one, our circle of doom basically starts kicking in, okay? And we get more of the stress hormone, all right? So we get more adrenaline, okay? We get more cortisol um, and when the stress hormone is firing, we are in survival mode okay so i'm sure you've heard of fight flight or freeze okay now you know i'm quite glad to say we're not in the area of the saber-toothed tiger coming along to try and kill us anymore but what we are in a state of is stress now is coming from more of a mental capacity rather than that our ability to hunt or be killed right caveman era So when we've got all of this adrenaline, okay, and we've got all of this cortisol, it's building up in our bodies. And over time, it creates huge amounts of inflammation, which, as we know, then can lead to um, health concerns, diseases. There's lots of papers um, in the literature um, about that. So if we're constantly in fight or flight mode and we haven't positively learned how to kind of try and calm ourselves or we're reduce our stress levels in a moment to moment a daily to daily a weekly to weekly basis if we neglect ourselves in that way at one point we could be then linking to burnout right it's like a graph Mm -hmm. okay um so if every time something happens maybe there's four things in a day that trigger you and I kind of have reprogrammed my mind off of autopilot right because autopilot will still increase the stress response autopilot can still inactivate your nervous system okay where your fight flight your survival mode comes from so it's doing this because it's familiar it's familiar to be stressed right we have gone through years of being familiar with being stressed so the subconscious is trying to go no this is stress but if we can try and consciously and subconsciously reprogram as it's happening we're less likely to get to the top of that trajectory where we've got burnout so as you know right mental exhaustion is short term we feel drained we feel overwhelmed uh, maybe we kind of feel empty at times or we kind of want to shut off right it could be a heavy workload in a week um, etc whereas burnout is actually the long term okay so these Words are used interchangeably, but there is a difference. So burnout is on the long term when we're emotionally, physically, and mentally exhausted. All right, so it's kind of persistent and it goes on. Um, And ultimately, when we are starting to be in exhaustion and we are starting to be in burnout, um, our amygdala, our part of our brain, which uh, releases the emotion part, is firing rapidly. OK, and this is where negative self-talk comes in. So when we are tired, we can't access, um, shall we say, the logical computer part of our brain, right? Yeah. The cortex. We are using the amygdala, which is the emotional hub. So when this is kicking off, you cannot access any logic. We've all seen someone hysterical. It doesn't matter what you say to them. Then they're not able to listen. And that's not because of them. That's because of the way our brains are worked. It's the same when someone's shouting or swearing, okay? They're not accessing the logical computer brain. So the amygdala will take over and it can rupture things. This is uh, the breakup kind of part of your brain. We can rupture a relationship with our boss or we can rupture a relationship with a friend, okay? Because we're not actually in control. Um, so, And then when this is happening, so we've got loads of stress, we've got loads of um, survival mode, Apply freeze. Okay. Not knowing what to do is freeze mode. You kind of just shut down because you just don't have the capacity to deal with something. And that can happen on a daily basis in the workplace. Maybe you just had a difficult conversation with a colleague. So you want to shut down. um So we then go into kind of that negative self talk, right? Hopelessness, lack of energy. Um, I don't know. Maybe you then start to feel unworthy. Then you kind of go, oh, I'm just not good enough. Oh, I can't. Do- do this we've all been there okay and some people have this more common uh, than others and um, and the one thing that kind of comes into play with entrepreneurs especially is the reason they are entrepreneurs is because they're high achiever okay they are the go-getters they want to make change they have all of the ambition the drive the time okay um, and this is often also associated to perfectionism. which can be exhausting and it can also be a way of sabotaging progress all right um and with being a high achiever with being a people pleaser deep down somewhere in our subconscious there is that feeling like i have to do all of these things to be loved right if i'm these amazing things people are going to love me for it which then links to this huge kind of deep core wing of this idea of fear of failure, or if I don't do these things, I'm not good enough. And then what does that mean? Right, so we're going quite deep now, really. It's not really surface level. But when we go back around, especially for entrepreneurs and expats, right, we're all similar mindset. That's why we're here, right? If we weren't, we might not have ever left our. Home countries we might not have ever decided to set up our own businesses or taken the leap but here's the point Freddie with all of that going on we want to be so successful because we want people to be proud of us we want to be loved by people we don't want to fail because failure is a hard thing to swallow and then we go into emotions like pride But but if we took the time to do the really hard thing which is just actually sit down on the sofa, right? Every day, no music, no TV, no phones. All right, we actually just sit. Why do we find that so hard? Well, because then we actually have to sit with how we're truly feeling. And that means we get to process and our computer can slow down, but we have a fear of doing that. So if we stop and do anything, tell me if this resonates, but you feel guilty by sitting and doing nothing because you've put guilt on yourself that, oh my God, I'm an entrepreneur and I want my business to succeed. And I have to do A, B, C, and D. And oh my God, I've got this to do, this to do. Oh, I could do that, right? Calm, again, lower it. That is instigating adrenaline, causal stress response, right? So you're already up here. We're back to mental exhaustion and burnout. Okay, let's try again. I'm still on the sofa, I'm gonna rein it in. Okay, do I need to feel guilty? Right, what have I actually done today that is a positive? Do I deserve to just sit here for five minutes? And you'll probably be okay, I'm gonna say for 30 seconds, one minute in your mind, okay? And then you start to go, oh gosh, now I'm being lazy. Right, but what does laziness mean to us okay where does laziness come from is it because we saw our parents working a, a crazy amount of hours when we were children okay is it if i'm lazy i'm not a high achiever then i'm not going to be successful and i'm going to fail and then that links to shame the shame of failing the shame of sitting on the sofa the shame associated with having a label as being lazy Right. So, high successful people are fantastic in terms of being a high achiever, a go getter, being successful. This is everything we want to do. There is nothing wrong with that. But in terms of mental exhaustion and burnout, what we need to be doing, going back to your original question, is every day or multiple times in a day, whenever we are feeling triggered or stressed, we really need to just kind of work on it at the moment so we can try and reduce that stress response because if our body is consumed by those extra hormones okay if i got peaked at say 9 30 then i'm peaked again at 12 one o'clock three o'clock it doesn't actually give our body time to kind of regulate and go back down so we're just building on these hormones which then increases inflammation and more likely to get mental exhaustion and burnout it's
0: Does that answer fun. your question? Yeah, <laughs> no, well, I'm there's so there's so much in there which I think is is really really interesting because obviously with entrepreneurs a lot of what you see or a lot of what we see certainly is it's a big mindset piece. So even if they've got you know a, a multi six figure business doing really well, they still feel like you say lazy. And some, some of the best entrepreneurs I know, you know, they, they do the therapy like you say, but they also a masters of meditation, whether it's five minutes or twenty minutes a day, they're able to sit there in silence and just think and reflect. Reflection is a massive thing of what we talk about. You've got to, you know, celebrate your small wins, but also reflect on the things that haven't gone as well. I think that's so important. There's actually a podcast that I've done recently um, on uh, lazy productivity because there's a, you know, there's a stigma about being lazy, like you say, and and you feel like you should be doing more. But I just think, you know, um, as an entrepreneur. you you can be a busy fool as well and that's also that's because you've got that mindset of I'm lazy I should be doing something whereas actually lazy productivity is used by the biggest companies where they have things like entrepreneurs in residence or you know just high performing um, employees and it's effectively not doing the same thing twice so a lot of things in a small business you don't need to do twice you don't need to um you know constantly make content and then post it yourself and you know edit it. So there's so many different ways you could automate it, almost every process in a small business which is being lazy effectively because you've got more of your own time but it's being productive because it's being done for you but that machine working in the background but then like you say you've then got more time to do nothing if you want to so you feel lazy and you get that stress and the, the 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 over the over urge to to do something but you know, you can work on your on the business there, not in the business. So, I mean, those low we could go into from what you just said there. I think it's really interesting. Actually, one of the things that I think we should reflect on is just that the whole section you've just spoken about, because there's a lot to unpack for your individuality, I guess, there, and go which part of that reflects to me. And one thing I want to pull out and ask you about is how does burnout affect our own personal relationships? You know, burnout, because I think. One of the things you touched on was, um, well, really burnout as a as a, a buzzword as well, because I think a lot of people say, oh, I've had a really hard week, I'm burnt out. And it's like, you're not, you're not burnt out. You're just tired, you've had a hard week and you've heard the word burnout and you want to use that. And it's the same thing with all these wellbeing activities that we're being told to do like meditate and stuff. And it's like, if you actually understand your own data, your personal data, which thing actually benefits you? And the same as the business, you would look at the data and make a decision. You should look at your well-being data make a decision don't just do meditation because we're telling you to do something that's going to benefit you and you know it will so my question is how does burnout affect those relationships from your in your opinion
1: yeah so um quite considerably actually um yeah very considerably and i think you know going back to you know auditing business you would get a professional to come in and actually do and help you with that right if it was an area in your business you weren't aware about or you didn't kind of know what strategy to put into place to move it forward you would get an expert from someone else but we don't do that with ourselves okay so if we were to audit ourselves and you were to sit with someone like myself right therapist all right a coach a psychologist at points okay you would be saying to yourself i am 50 percent of any relationship that I enter in it doesn't have to be romantic but let's say it is for now okay so we're 50% of any relationship whether that is uh, our spouse okay whether it's a girlfriend boyfriend whatever the status um, that you're doing even if you're dating right if that 50% of that relationship is kind of being impacted by burnout right or exhaustion okay you're gonna be not your natural self And that affects effort, it affects time. I've already mentioned earlier today about how our amygdala is more empowered when we are tired, okay? Have you ever realized when maybe you, I don't know, you go to bed late because you're working and you get up early and you've had four hours sleep or five hours sleep, okay? Um, The next day, you just kind of feel uh, more emotional, right? About certain things. Maybe emotion doesn't have to be um, like crying. Maybe you could be more snappy, or maybe you enter in more arguments or you notice yourself swearing more in the car. So when it comes to burnout in our relationships, we're going to have a shorter fuse. We're not going to be able to process or hear what our partner or our friend or our colleague is saying because we would have shut off our full access to our brain, which remember earlier when I said about cognitive functioning and the wheel going down, Um, if that wheel is going slower or stuttering, I'm not going to be as effective in my relationships as I am when my wheel is, is not even appearing, okay? So when that is happening, that gremlin that comes up in our mind will be even more active. So it's kind of like a negative multiplier effect When we're tired and we're feeling burnt out, we have more negative emotions. We have more things from the amygdala. We then start to feel more unappreciated. Okay, maybe then we pick the bad choice. Maybe we start drinking more wine. Maybe we don't go to the gym. We're feeling so tired. We order a delivery or a takeout. Okay, Uh, and then my diet's now being bad. And then I think, oh, do you know what? I'm actually going to watch Netflix because I really want love and connect. Action. And the only way I can actually do that being an expat is to watch TV. So that's another psychological thing because we feel lonely. So then we ended up staying up late because one episode after one episode happens and we don't get another good night's sleep. So our lifestyle habits then change. So burnout massively affects everything. Um, I, you know, help couples therapy. I do couples therapy as well. And there's a lot of couples um, that one of them is going through a tougher time with burnout and it's having a negative impact on their relationship Um, so yeah it's really important too and it sounds cliche and we all know it but have we done it for 21 days is it a new year's resolution or are we actually trying to reprogram it in on a daily basis and that's hard it is active once every single day but you know are we sleeping you know people run on uh, seven and a half or nine and a half hours of sleep there's not really an in-between um you know we are we're on two programs so depending on which one you are <laughs> are you a seven and a half or a nine and a half hours sleep okay are you having a glass of water are you exercising regularly okay because we don't want adrenaline or cortisol as a stress hormone what we actually want more of is endorphins dopamine serotonin right and these feelings from exercise are also the same as when you're in the presence of a loved one they're the they feel good Feelings, right? So we want more endorphins, we want more dopamine, we want more serotonin, in order to lower the stress. So it's either negative multiplier effect or positive multiplier effect, and um, and it's hard. It is hard. New Year's resolutions are hard. Reconditioning our subconscious mind into a better lifestyle habit is hard and challenging. But if we don't know what we're doing, or we don't know what we're doing in our relationships. Are we in the same repeated cycle? Are we dating the same people? Um, Are we doing the same thing in our marriage? Do we have the same fights? Do we have the same argument? I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to ask you, Freddie, because I know we're on air. But, you know, Uh is it because the washing hasn't been done? Or, I don't know, someone hasn't unloaded the dishwasher? You know, like, it's really not about those things. Um, And if we don't know why we're getting upset with those things, and we don't have our 50% of that relationship it's going to be one of those branches from work, from everything else that link into burnout because here's the biggest thing we've got so lost in society of trying to conform to a box right, social media expectations from parents expectations from colleagues our manager, whoever it might be we have got so conditioned to believe that we have to be a certain way to fit the mold to be successful but deep down we don't even know who we are anymore actually we think we do but we don't do I have to be this way because it's what I truly want or believe or is it actually it's because it's come from a parent or it's come from a friend or it's come from social media and here's the biggest kicker because we're not being true to ourselves that's actually mentally exhausting because we're trying to people please. We don't know who we're trying to please, but we're trying to be all of these things and we're not being genuine to ourselves. And that is a massive one. It's the same with a relationship, okay? Um, It's the same in the workplace. It's it's the same in all aspects of our life. If we're not being truly 100% to ourselves, and how do you know that if you haven't audited that with a therapist? How do you know if you haven't gone through these processes and actually ask these hard questions because most of the time we are too busy seven days goes like that have you sat on the sofa have you actually done that hard part right no have you actually given up an hour a week or fortnightly to speak to someone just about you when was the last time people truly had time for themselves to order themselves and their well-being and it's not often and it's not common so no wonder why there's so much exhaustion and burnout happening Um, because we just don't take the time to really look at it
0: it's so true I think one of the best things I've done in the last couple of years is work with a coach because I completely agree that sometimes people don't know what they're doing you know especially you know I've never really known what I wanted to do as a, as a job. I never really had a, a sort of passion. My brother, for example, always wants to be an architect. Since, I you know, he was in his teen years, he always wanted to be an architect. And I always wanted to work with people and have a business, but I think you're, you're, you're right that unearthing your passion and finding out what actually drives you is super important, Because otherwise you do just become, uh, you know, a, um, a an example of everyone else. I think Gary Vee spoke this week, actually, about Stop posting and talking about things you think other want to hear. Talk about what you want to talk about. People are interested. People are interested in everything. There are the most bizarre hobbies and and things in this world. You can literally talk to whatever you are. Your truth is, and people will be interested. I think you know you're speaking a lot of uh, a lot of truth there. And actually, a lot of stuff people don't necessarily want to hear. Right? It's it's challenging the status quo and consistency. Like you're talking about there with habits is the, one of the hardest things anyone has to do. If, if, you know I think Alex Omosi spoke about meditation is one of the is the best self-development you can do it's going to improve your sleep and your business but if you look if you relate it to sleep Xanax is going to do the same job and it's a pill you can take and everyone's looking for that pill to a quick fix it doesn't have to be for long term they just want something to work today so when, when I hear you talk I'm, I'm thinking about this is it takes work and consistency and effort to do this but it will benefit you in the long term but people just go i'll just take a pill or i'll let the thing quick
1: you're absolutely right everybody wants the quick rapid transformation okay everybody wants to feel the amazing feel-good hormones right it comes back to that societal conformism we've talked about so much um like you know in marketing in the world about being a consumer right there's nothing wrong with your new Apple phone but you have to get a new one the following year when it comes out and we're doing the same with ourselves and we're doing the same with people okay so I'm dating someone or I'm married to someone doesn't mean I'm not happy but here's a consumer resentment I could be happier so I actually ditch that relationship or that person or that workplace because it's easier to think that there's something better out there. I want the quick fix. I don't want the challenge. I don't want to try and fix this broken relationship because here's the thing, I could be happier, right? So unfortunately, the whole consumerist society, and like you said, having the quick fix, it's actually coming down into our our personal lives. um, And that's quite quite, a concerning problem for me because i see it quite often you know especially here in dubai you know everyone talks about the dating scene here in dubai how it's awful um and is the key reason because we are a hugely consumerist society here and we know we're not going to be here long okay so everything is is temporary potentially right i mean we could go into attachment theory and you know um all of these things but I don't think we have time today and that will definitely go off keys um (laughs) the key thing is is if we're not empowered in who we truly are and that takes time because most of us don't know who we truly are and that might have some kickback to be honest and and people's egos going oh no I know who I am like I know what I like and I I know what I don't like but the key thing is is it's way deeper than that because that's your subconscious mind finding it easier to blame others, to blame your girlfriend, to blame your boyfriend, to blame your husband, to blame your wife. Whereas actually you are 50% of that scenario. And if you don't have your 50% in a secure, healthy way, even when you think you do, I can challenge you and bet, and bet you don't have all of those eggs in, in line. Uh, that's for sure. So yeah, it's not about being sick. It's not about you know um, being mentally unhealthy. It's just trying to be best version of yourself the cliche um and yeah that's the truth around it
0: i like it i like it i, I want to touch on um relationships and with expats because obviously we're we're over 3, mm-hmm. miles where we're, both, where we're both. you across. do
1: want to go into it then <laughs> well,
0: I to it slightly but i want to i want to talk to you about um, i want to hear your, your opinion really on why do you think relationships get tested so much when someone moves abroad, not necessarily just to Dubai, but in general. And I know you, you could say, you know, there's heightened stress, pressure, you're more lonely, but is there something more to it than, than those overarching? Uh...
1: <laughs> so I actually did um, a research paper on this last year. Um, and I mean, I'm going to try and talk very bleakly about attachment theory, but most of us know that it's from childhood um people might have understood it as um do your parents choose to let your baby cry as one analogy or when they're crying do you go and comfort it that's it. very very basically and it's way more complicated than that but that then links later on down um our lives into adulthood the more breakups we have okay the more unhealthy relationships that we have and the older we get the more and i will use the word trauma okay Trauma is what did happen, but it's also what didn't happen when you needed it to happen. Okay, so trauma doesn't need to be this big, scary, you know, like headlining stamped position. It doesn't have to be anything huge. It could simply be you needed comfort in a moment and your partner was unable to give it to you. That is trauma because your need wasn't being met. Right. So as an expat. okay, we're all here, mostly on our own, unless you have come with family, you've come with a partner, or you've, you know, you've found love here in the city, which does absolutely happen, okay? But in order to be an expat yourself, I guess the question is, are we more avoidant in our attachment styles anyway? Or are we just high achievers and we're ambitious? Because if we're more avoidant, we're good at pushing people away. We're good at not getting emotionally close because that keeps us safe because we've learned somewhere in the past that we've got close to somebody or we've connected with somebody and we've had our hearts broken, right? We all have, everyone. We all remember the name of someone in our lives that did that, okay? And that then brings trauma or baggage into next relationships. So you have two choices and people kind of go... Between like avoidancy, or maybe you become more anxious. You you become more in fear. Okay, so people are rec- people at arm's length, which is never going to get true connection and love. Or you're so desperate and you're so needy because you just need reassurance all of the time that that also pushes somebody away because they're thinking, oh, okay, I've got I don't kind of want this. So it's a kind of a complex web. But we want people because we're here alone we want to feel connected we don't have our family here can be a very lonely place like i speak to a lot of people you know in the gym uh, you know uh, business events you know even my clients at some point there is loneliness even if you're married you crave your family right you crave your uh, friends that you've had for 15 years like there is still that element of connection and isolation that we don't get because most of us might be in the same town or an hour down the road if we commute to where family is but we don't have that here necessarily so that plus the older we get as expats we've had more relationship trauma we're developing more coping mechanisms to be hyper-independent Right, hyper-independency is absolutely required to a point to be an expatriate, right? But to be so hyper-independent is also unhealthy. And then when there is the prospect of somebody else coming into that, again, let's go to the 95% part of our brain, because there'll be listeners here going, no, 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 I want that. But I bet you you're hardwiring from somewhere if you really thought about it and looked into it with a therapist, is i doing the keeping people at arm's length. Okay, it's just superficial, right? I keep telling myself, no, they're not for me. Okay, they're not the one. Well, I'll tell you and I'll put it out there. Freddie, I might get some pushback from this, but the one doesn't exist. The one doesn't exist. We have multiple ones, but it's whether we choose to continue working towards something, to build something, okay or we don't like love is a choice so to be truly vulnerable and to be truly intimate with somebody is hard right I've got you know married couples who've been together 10 years but with certain elements they can't be truly vulnerable and intimate with each other on an emotional level because it's scary and it goes back to those deep feelings of shame or guilt or
0: I'm not good enough,
1: or possibly I feel trapped, right? Or whatever it might be, to be truly vulnerable and open requires huge strength, huge vulnerability, huge courage. And we struggle to do that as humans because our fight or flight response or our stress hormone is like, no, we don't do fear. No, okay? We don't do being vulnerable because vulnerability means death. Okay, let's start the extreme version. But how do we all evolve? rate right. when we you know go back in time it was to constantly keep us safe we're wired to keep us safe and somebody else no matter how much we love them connect with them we're starting to build a life with them they have the power in a way to hurt us the most and somewhere deep down we know that so do you truly remove all your barriers as an expat when you don't have your family the first family around? don't have your security network okay um esther pearl would call it her the village right if you don't have your village around you we're not as strong we don't have our tribe okay we're here on our own so do we have someone around that we're kind of not really into because we kind of need a little tribe or a little village we cling on to people for safety um or we choose actually no they could hurt us so much more deep down in our core I don't want to be heartbroken again. Yeah. Um, And I've used sabotage a lot uh, today, but I also don't believe that sabotage truly exists. I believe it's from, you know, literature that's coming out that our subconscious mind is actually just, again, kicking in to try and keep us safe. So it's not actually sabotaging. It's that subconscious wiring trying to meet a need of ours that was unhealthily learned from a past experience, which worked once for us, mm-hmm. okay? Um, let's think about a child who had a attention tantrum, cried hysterical when they were younger. Mum or dad runs, gives them that attention. Now let's think of someone who loses it in a boardroom, in a meeting, has a tense tantrum, fists on the desk, okay, just loses it. Well, what's their need? That they're not being heard, they're not being seen, and they're finding that unbelievably frustrating. So, what do they do? They act the same way they did when they were younger as a child, because they knew if they did that, they would get love and connection and they would be heard and they would be seen. Okay, so is it sabotage or is it the learned behaviors we've learned in our lives subconsciously that is just meeting a need? And it always comes back to love and connection, generally speaking
0: because okay, that's what we need. It's that's what so, I would say. It's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I just, when you're saying that, I'm just thinking about so many different things that I've heard and seen and experienced where, you know, some people see everything as a threat, you know, literally everything is a threat, which must go back to a past where they, they have felt threatened. And I think the vulnerability piece that you touched on there is super interesting as well because, you know, socialising, for us, is one of the main things that we talk about entrepreneurs is such a lonely thing to be doing. Usually you've got to socialize more than just networking. You need to be social. And when you talk about certain things, not necessarily even delving into stuff, you can see even through people's body language that they're feeling vulnerable. That must be even more elevated when you talk about, you know, uh, relationships. But also, if they walked into or they're doing it online, uh, a psychologist's or a therapist's office, they're immediately, you know, arms crossed and they're thinking, Gonna have to be vulnerable here. This is a threat, you know, it's all the same things, and it works in the same ways if you're trying to grow your business or grow a relationship because it's the same elements, really, isn't it? Like the loneliness element and the the vulnerability. I think it's it's so interesting. Charlotte, I want to ask you a question that we've asked everyone that's been a guest so far (laughs) towards the end of the episode. A couple of questions for you. First one is a book recommendation that you think the audience uh, should put onto their wish list on Audible or wherever they get their books.
1: Okay, can I have two?
0: You
1: can have two, sure. <laughs> okay, so for me, the first one is called Attached by Dr. Lemaire-Levine. Um, and it's a great first starting book to learn about your attachment. Okay, um, it's a fantastic book. We all want to be better in our relationships with our co-workers or, or, or our partners. Um, and that's the first step in kind of like learning how to do that. And the second one would be How to Do the Work um, by Dr. Nicola. She's known on Instagram as the Holistic Psychologist. And she goes back into kind of looking at why we do the things we do. Um, And it's a really good starting point to start to work out why we do what we do. Okay. Um, Yeah, those would be my two recommendations. They've They've transformed someone's start of a journey quite a few times for my clients really good
0: they're really cool because they're very apt what talks about so well. that's really really cool the second um, question is how would you spend a full free day if you had one
1: how do i spend a free day so i always try to go to the gym for at least an hour okay and i kind of like to do that in the morning uh, first thing it definitely has to involve the ocean. So for me, I do struggle with meditation. So I'm, you know, I'm not going to preach. But for me, I get a huge power in mindfulness. Um, so for me, it's being on board. So I love wake surfing and I love kite foiling. Uh, so I always pump my kite and I always get out on my hydrofoil. So for me, being on the ocean, there's nothing else out there. It's just kind of pure freedom. So um that's where that is uh, and then an early night some good food some good company um uh, with uh friends or, or or and or my partner for sure in the day um with uh yeah with some connection and that's what it is bed by 10 or half, half past nine <laughs> uh, there you go it's awesome um, how can people yeah. find
0: you Charlotte, online if you want to learn more about you where can we find you
1: so i'm on instagram as charlie psychology and then you can check out my website which is charlotte oh
0: yeah check me out there amazing it's been a a pleasure having you on been really really eye-opening and sort of looking at things from a different angle so thank you so much for joining us
1: thank you for having me and i hope uh, it helped bring some light into why we do what we do so thank you